Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us for a conversation is Dan Weir, the executive chairman for DNI Metals, which is establishing itself to become one of the world's leading graphite producers. Mr. Weir, welcome to the show. Good morning, Maurice. Always a pleasure. Glad to have you back on the program to share the value proposition of DNI Metals. We brought you on today to provide us with some updates on the company's latest developments. But before we begin, Mr. Weir, for someone new to the story, who is DNI Metals? Well, DNI Metals is a public company. Uh, we're listed on the Canadian Securities Exchange, the CSE in uh, Canada, as well as the OTC in the United States. Um, it's been public for 25 years. Uh, initially, it was a nickel play in Quebec, uh, Ontario, or sorry, Quebec, uh, Canada. Um, it used to be called Dumont Nickel Incorporated. Uh, the name was shortened a number of years ago to DNI Metals. After that, uh, the t- previous team uh, went and uh, were chasing after some gold assets in uh, Utah. Uh, those gold assets are currently in production. Um, and then they went and um, uh, staked a very large uh, claim package in Alberta, Canada, a very large polymetallic uh, deposit, um, which led up to myself and our new team. Uh, we got involved in uh, December of 2014 uh, to focus on graphite. Uh, we first went looking for graphite in Brazil uh, and ended up in uh, Madagascar. And we'll go through some of those details as to why we've done that and what our plans are going forward. Let's begin today's discussion with DNI Metals' newly issued resource estimate on your flagship project, the Voitsera. Walk us through the resource estimate and share some of the highlights. Well, I'm very excited about uh, the resource estimate, actually, uh, Maurice. Um, it's We've been delayed here a little bit, and I'm going to get into some of the reasons why when we pull up a map of, of the deposit here shortly. Um, but I'm very, very excited about uh, this new resource, and I want everybody to go and look at the press release that we've just put out. Um, all the details will be in there, and my goal here today is to... Um, to clarify some of that press release, because I know when people look at a resource, um, they ask themselves a lot of questions. You know, number one, everybody will look at the numbers and go, well, are these good, bad, what are they? Um, So I think we can answer some of those questions here for you today. We can also talk about what other graphite deposits look like in the world and sort of compare them to what we're doing and how we're doing it. Maurice, I want to take you to this slide um, because before I get into some of the numbers of our resource, I think it's important for people to understand the dynamics of a deposit and and specifically a graphite deposit because a gold deposit is going to be very different from what a graphite deposit is. Um, And just for clarity and so that I don't get myself in trouble, a resource study does take some of the economics into account but this is not a feasibility study that we put out. And we also remember that in different places of the world, they have different guidelines for their resource studies. So for instance, in North America, we have what we call the 43101 guidelines or standards. If you were in Australia or an Australian company, 
you would use JORC, uh, which is spelt J-O-R-C. Those are their guidelines. Russia has different guidelines and even South Africa has different guidelines. So depending on where you are or the, the, the home base of your company, you have to use different guidelines uh, around that. Again, this is a resource study. This is not a feasibility study, but within our resource study, we will have taken into account some of the economics of the deposit. But let's look at this. When you're putting out a resource study, there's a number of things that we look at and a number of questions um, that the people ask when they're uh, putting out the resource study, okay? Obviously, the grade and the size of the, um, not necessarily the deposit, but the size of the um, resource uh, that you've put out in conjunction with the study. But when you're looking at a graphite deposit, you have to also take into account the flake size uh, distribution. You have to take into the account the quality or what impurities are in the material or in the flakes. The other important things to look at is the location, what country you're in, um, the infrastructure in and around your deposit. And one of the most important things that, that we have taken into account is the host rock. Whether you're in a hard rock deposit or you're in a um, what we call a weathered type deposit, and the fancy name for that is called saprolite. Again, the most important things that you're going to look at when you're looking at a, a project and seeing if it's going to get into production is actually the cost of production and the quality and quantity of your material. And those are some of the things that you'll take into account when you make a decision to get into production. In our case, we have decided as our uh, team um, that we want to build a uh, plant and it is a pilot plant is what we're officially calling it. The great thing about our pilot plant, and specifically because we're in this weathered type saprolytic material, we can also have production from this plant. Uh, so we're very excited as we move this forward and, and, and move it forward. So I think what we'll do in some of the next slides here, we'll look at some of these points, some of these six points, and we'll discuss those. And Maurice, what I've done recently is I put this slide together to really give people an understanding. And again, uh, if you use the phrase, uh, picture paints a thousand words, um, I think people will get the idea here. So if you look at the top one, uh, this is a deposit that's 50 kilometers south of our deposits in Madagascar. Now, again, not all of Madagascar is like this. It's the East Coast, close to where we are. Um, that you get this saprolite or weathered type material. Again, you can go in with an excavator, dig it up, put it in the truck and take it to the processing plant. Other places in the world like Sri Lanka, um, where they're chasing vein graphite, um, you basically have to go down underground, tunnel through hard rock to go after these veins of graphite. If we switch over and look at Sweden, here is a deposit in Sweden. Um, it is what you call a amorphous graphite, very high grade. They're able to go in and cut it out in blocks and, and, and use it. Um, but the problem is it's very expensive. You can see here they have to go in with a saw and, and cut it up. Now, the next slide that we're going to look at, here's a comparison uh, of 
of what it looks like in Madagascar versus um, here in uh, Canada, in, in Hard Rock in Canada, Saprolite in Madagascar. In January 2017, the beginning of January, I was in Madagascar taking a bunch of samples. You can see here that we can just go in simply with a shovel, dig up the material, it's a sandy clay material, and put it in a bag. Here's some guys that dig, dug a trench. It's all hand dug. And when we were doing some of our exploration work on our property, we were able to go down four and five meters deep um, with these type of trenches. Now, at the end of January, I went up and I was helping another company uh, take a one-ton bulk sample. So here I am freezing in, uh, in the bush in Quebec in January. Um, and I had to go in with a jackhammer. I had to use a concrete cutting saw in order to cut out the material. It was beautiful material, but again, I had to go in, chisel it all out. If you were putting the hard rock deposit into production, what you would have to do is you would have to drill holes, obviously with a big machine, not by hand, and then you'd have to put explosives down in the ground, you'd have to blow it up, and then you'd have to go along with your excavator dump truck, pick up the big pieces of rock, put them in the dump truck, take them over, crush and grind them down really fine before you could process it. So I think that really shows people the difference between the two. Maurice, so what I want to do here now is talk a little bit about our press release uh, that we put out and talk a little bit about the resource, compare it a little bit to some of the other um, resources in the world. And then what we're going to do is we're going to switch back to a map and I'm going to show you what it looks like on our deposit and where we drilled the holes and a little bit more explanation on that. So you can see from the press release um, that there is a sensitivity table on there. Um, uh, the company in conjunction with Micon International, the guys that wrote the resource report, we looked at all the different numbers and, and decided on which number best fit uh, what we wanted. And we had always mentioned to people uh, that our grade would be somewhere around four, four and a half percent. I'm very happy because it came in at five percent. Um, I'm very happy that our uh, amount of tons came in at numbers that we were looking for. Um, so we have our our maiden resource is uh, 4 million tons at 5%. That gives us approximately 200,000 tons of graphite. Now, again, when you're talking about 200,000 tons of graphite, also remember that you will lose some of that in your processing. You can never get 100% efficiency out of a processing plant, um, we suspect that we'll get somewhere around 90, 95%. That will be make us very, very happy. Um, but I do also caution that when we first start up, we won't get those efficiencies until we work all the bugs out of the uh, processing plant. But anyways, so I'm very happy with those numbers. Um, people ask me and go, okay, how long uh, can you produce? So our initial plant will be for 6,000 6, tons a year. So you can take 200,000, divide it by six, and you can get a number of how many years that we could uh, produce from that. If you, and that's what, 35 years? If you produce 20,000 tons a year, we have 10 years of production uh, from, from that maiden resource. And again, when we go to the map, 
keep that keep that thought right now because I'm going to go to the map here in a minute and I'm going to explain to you why we have multiple, multiple more years of uh, production uh, than that, even if we're at 20, 25, 30 or 40,000 tons a year. We'll have lots of years of production from uh, uh, from this uh, main zone. So I think what we should do now, Maurice, um, is jump over to that map. This is our area that we drilled on our Voitsera graphite property. Remember, we own two properties. Uh, the Marifuti property is adjacent to this first property. We haven't done any work on that. We plan to get in and do some geophysics and some drilling later this year on that property. Okay, so just a couple points here to make out about our resource. We have a southwest zone that you have over here. Let's let's go back one step. Here's the main highway that runs up to the port. It's this black line here. We put these roads in here that run along here um, between the southwest zone and the main zone. Okay, so the southwest zone. We drilled a total in the uh, southwest zone of 24 holes. There was 18 holes drilled with the... Uh, uh, with the RC rig or the air core rig, there was six holes drilled with the diamond core rig here. Actually, the blue ones are the diamond core, so you can see them uh, there. We did not dig in, we did not do any trenching across um, this deposit. Um, in When we were doing the resource and putting all the numbers together, we felt that, uh, or Micon felt that because we hadn't done the trenching across it, that we're not going to include the any of the numbers here in the maiden resource. So I'm actually excited about that because of the numbers that are in our resource are fantastic. And the southwest zone is very, very similar to the main zone. We're going to go back uh, this year, dig some trenches across here, and we'll be able to add some nice resource from that. The other thing I really want to point out is that when we build the pilot plant, um, it will be located right next to the southwest zone, and we'll actually start mining from the southwest zone um, as well as the main zone with the pilot plant. So uh, even though we don't have a resource uh, on this part here, it's very exciting because two things. One, we know that it the numbers that came from all the drill holes are very similar to the main zone. We want to do a little more work. And then we'll be able to add that very easily to the resource. We also know that the, is, this area extends quite a bit to the south. So that's very exciting about um, this area. Okay, so let's go over to the main zone where we did do the resource. A couple things to point out. Um, these blue lines here are where we did the trenches. So we had four trenches. And then this squiggly line here is actually a road cut uh, that we were able to take samples all along that road cut. Um, so we're calling that a trench as well. So from those trenching and from the, all of the drill holes, we came up with the maiden resource. I must also point out that the resource um, was a little over about 750 meters um, that was included here. We were able to add some inferred resource as well all the way up to the trench up here. But the point I make on that is, is that we know that these things run for over five kilometers and we've only done work on about 
750 to 800 meters uh, over that distance. So we do know that the graphite does extend in this particular zone to the south, to the north, and we also know it goes at depth. The average depth that we drilled holes in just in the saprolite was 28 meters. Um, some of them were, um, you know, 18 meters. Some of them were 46 meters. But the average depth was about 28 meters. And again, only in that weathered saprolite area. We also do know that in the road cut, um, when we, sorry, in the road cut along the side of the road, we also saw other zones. And we know that there's graphite up in this area and it was shown here too. So we could have mentioned we should have other zones uh, on the property. I can't say that 100%, but we feel very confident that we'll do that. I apologize earlier that we took a little bit of extra time to put out the resource report. One of the reasons was that um, samples had been taken from this trench at the north, and it when uh, Micon came and did the site visit, uh, we found that um, he looked at it and said, wow, uh, that looks very good. Uh, the samples from here look really wonderful. Um, they had never been sent to the lab for assaying. So we took the time, we took those back to the lab, and that gave us some extra inferred resources um, along this trend. So I think it was very worthwhile to have taken a little bit of extra time um, and, and redoing some of these, uh, or sorry, not redoing, actually having these sampled uh, assay. So as I said, we came out with our maiden resource. We have multiple years of production that we can have here, but there's also huge upside, uh, not only to the south, to the north, um, other zones that may be in between here, and we never even included any of the southwest zone in our resource. So all those things add up to that we have many, many, many years of production that we can have uh, from th this property. Maurice, we're now switching over to a slide here that talks about our um, large flake distribution. One of those six points that we talked about uh, when we first started this interview, um, it's very critical in a graphite deposit to also talk about the flake size distribution. In our case, we have like 65%, um, and this was just one sample. Some of the other samples have been 67, 68% uh, large flake graphite. So large flake is 150 microns uh, and larger. Um, and you can see here that we're 65% um, large flake. So that makes it a lot more valuable. That one picture I showed you where they were cutting out blocks, um, that is what they call amorphous graphite. There's not a lot of flake in it, but it can be very, very high grade. In that case, it was like 24%, but because there's not a lot of flake in it, they can't use it for um, certain things like um, in the steelmaking industry for um, or for batteries and things. They need the flake type graphite in order to make that work properly. Pause. So as I pointed out, grade is important. The flake size distribution is important. Now let's talk about some of the other guys in, in our area and some of the grades that they're getting. These are our two um, uh, properties here, um, uh, uh, Voitsera and Marafuti, were 50 kilometers to the port. 50 kilometers south of us is an operating mine owned by Bass Metals. 
Um, I apologize. At one point in time, it was owned by another company called Stratman. It's currently called um, the Graphmata Deposit, um, and it's owned by Bass Metals. Their grade down there in their primary deposit is 4.2%. Remember, we're at 5%. And their primary deposit has about 3.5 million tons of material. Again, we're just, we have about 4 million tons. So what I'm trying to show here is, is that they're very similar. Ours might be just a little bit higher grade than what they have, but they're, they're very, very similar. A little bit further, oh, and, and they're producing about 6,000 tons a year. They have plans to expand that to about 20,000 tons a year. Very similar to what we're doing. Our pilot plant will be, well, sorry, we'll have the ability to produce 6,000 tons a year. And our ultimate goal is to grow that with our customer base. Whether that ultimate number is 20,000 tons, 30,000 tons, or 40,000 tons, we will grow with our customers. Just north of us, right here, a company called Gelois. Uh, Gelois was an old French family. Uh, their company was bought by a Chinese group. They are producing from here and actually another deposit just south of where um, uh, the Graphmata deposit is, uh, just south of here, Bass Metals. Um, those two deposits, in the last three years, they've taken production from basically zero up to about 18,000 tons a year from those two deposits. So as you can see here, demand is growing in this area. It's one of the only areas in the world um, outside of China, uh, Brazil, and India that is growing and getting into production um, uh, quite a lot. The other area is Mozambique in Africa, uh, where you have Syrah um, is is also growing and and building and 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 their production is ramping up very very nicely. Okay, so I'm very excited about our area. I'm very excited about our maiden resource, but I'm even more excited about the knowledge that we've gained from doing this resource and the fact that we know that there's a lot more graphite here and you will see over time that we have many, many, many years of production. Um, so, because that's one of the questions that people ask me all the time, you know, do you have production for a number of years? And the answer to that is yes, many, many years that we can produce graphite from these uh, two properties. So it's extremely excited. I'm very, very happy with the grade uh, that we're getting uh, from here and the size of the resource. Moving on to business transactions that DNI has recently consummated, let's begin in Utah where DNI Metals just sold a royalty. What can you share with us? So, um, in Utah, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, our previous management team had focused on a gold deposit in Utah in 2008 or 2009. Uh, don't hold me to those uh, dates. Um, DNI sold that deposit and kept a royalty. Uh, the gold uh, started producing or started paying us a royalty in 2015. We were paid small. We were getting, on average, for the last couple of years, about three or four thousand dollars a year. Uh, DNI decided to monetize that. The problem the guys were having at the deposit: there was a number of people that had royalties 
on the gold deposit and it was very difficult for them to make any money at their production uh, so they bought out all of the royalties including ours um, and they gave us fifty thousand dollars for that royalty so we felt that that was and that's us dollars uh, um, uh, thought that that was a very fair value for that uh, for that asset take us further north to alberta what type of activity is dni metals conducting so I think what we'll do is we'll transition over to a map to talk a little bit about our Alberta property. So I brought up this chart here or this slide to, to talk a little bit uh, further about the uh, Alberta property. On December the 18th, uh, we put out a press release talking about this polymetallic deposit. As I mentioned before, it um, the previous management team before I got involved or before the current board got involved in DNI were developing this project. They did an amazing job at doing it. They had drilled um, a number of different deposits in this area. They were able to do a full PEA, PEA on it. That's a preliminary economic assessment study, uh, which they completed in. 2013 the problem that they ran into was that this was a massive deposit with a capex of over three billion dollars so they knew that at that time that they needed to go back and bring that capex down but they basically ran out of time the markets um, weren't friendly in 2015 and 2016, so they knew that it was time for them to put this to the sideline. Our team came in and took over DNI. So this is a legacy deposit that we inherited when we took over the deposit, or sorry, took over the um, company. So what we were able to do recently was two things. Number one, there's a, um, to the, on the, I'm going to use my pointer here. Up north here, just north of our project, there's a national park called Wood Buffalo National Park. Some of the, and I'm going to zoom in here a little bit if I can. Some of the, of the rivers that are on this property here. So this township here that we uh, had the mining rights to, or, or the mineral rights to, um, the rivers here uh, flowed to the north and went up here, up into Wood Buffalo National Park. The, uh, the One of the First Nations up here, the federal government and the government of Alberta um, have put together a plan to build a new provincial park that protects all of those uh, uh, rivers that flow north. So what we did was we did a deal um, where we surrendered part of this um, uh, township or this permit that we had, um, and it takes into account the rivers that flow to the north. All the other rivers on our project here flow over to the east, east um, to the Athabasca River, and they're not part of, of that river. It just so happens <laughs> that the main part of the resource where most of the work was done happens to be part of those headwaters. But the point I'm trying to make here is, is that we have resource studies on this part over here. They did some continuing work all down through this area as well. 
this zone of material runs all the way up and down all through here. It does affect some of the project, but it's still a huge, massive polymetallic deposit um, with multiple zones and um, the value, it does not hinder the value uh, for future people that want to try and develop this project. So it's very exciting that we were able to sell part of this uh, here for $500,000. So that was great for us right now. Uh, D and I had planned at the time to um, raise about a million dollars in a convertible uh, debenture. Um, bringing in $550,000 uh, from the sale of the royalty and surrendering part of the asset here um, brought us in about $550,000 after paying some legal bills. And um, the great thing is, is that we have a number of warrants still outstanding. So our press release from last week, uh, we have decided to reprice some of those warrants and give existing shareholders or existing warrant holders a chance to uh, help us raise um, about another, we'd be happy if we raised another $500,000 here um, uh, to make up the difference as we continue moving forward with what we're doing in Madagascar. Now, the multi-million dollar question, what can you share with us regarding the environmental permit? So Maurice, I just arrived home uh, just a few days ago from Madagascar. Um, things are moving along very, very well. Um, and I'm very excited. It's one of the reasons why I actually came home because things are moving along uh, uh, extremely quickly. Now, I know not as quick as any of us wanted, um, but I can assure you that things are in the final stages here. And again, I know everybody has heard me say that many, many times. Uh, we are now weeks away, not months and years away from getting all of these uh, permits uh, uh, completed. So, or sorry, environmental licenses completed. So I am extremely excited um, getting out the resource report and being able to put out a press release shortly about uh, having these uh, environmental licenses all completed, um, I'm very excited. So in our press release last week, I just wanna clarify a couple things in there because I've talked about uh, the Cahier de Charge environmental, okay? So this is basically the, the permit. What we have to do is do an agreement um, between DNI and the ONE, the environmental agency that's in charge of this. Um, and it basically sets out what DNI will do to help the local economy um, or the local people um, uh, in and around uh, our properties. So, for instance, currently DNI is supporting uh, the two local schools um, on the Voitsera property. On the Voitsera property, there are four villages. Two of the villages we directly affect with our with when we start mining here, and um, I've been supporting uh, the schools. What I found out in Madagascar um, is that the school system, the government supports school until grade five. That's it. Um, they help the local villages build schools, but then they tend not to help with the paying of the teacher salaries. And the locals at Voitsera approached me and said, listen, we have four teachers. 
um, the local um, families or parent group um, go out and, and ask all the local people to give money to support uh, the, the salaries for the teachers. They were getting about 85,000 RERE a month. Um, the exchange rate right now to U.S. dollars is about 3,500 uh, RERE um, to, uh, uh, to, the, uh, to the dollar. So you can see here, DNI is now supporting them. They asked me to help pay for the salaries of the teachers, but also to help with books. So um, in the uh, in the village of Voitsara, we are now giving them a million RERE a month, um, and that is um, you know for each teacher they're now getting about two hundred thousand RERE a month, um, and that's a fairly typical wage for a teacher. Uh, in, in Madagascar, obviously not in North America, but it sure. Switching gears, please share the capital structure for DNI Metals. DNI currently has 122 million shares outstanding. Um, there are some options as well as some warrants. Um, you can see from our press release uh, some of the warrant numbers that we have outstanding. Um, so I think, you know, for a company that is building a pilot plant and getting into production that we have a very good uh, share structure. Multi-layered question, I believe I know the answer, but just for clarification, what is the next unanswered question for DNI Metals? When can we expect a response and what determines success? So, um, DNI uh, has to raise some money here. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why we've decided to reprice some of the warrants. Um, we are so close uh, to completing all of the permits uh, and and moving all of this forward to getting to our pilot plant uh, built and and getting some revenue uh, from selling graphite. So I'm very excited about all that, uh, but it takes some capital. So in the next few weeks, uh, I hope to raise uh, some of the money that we need just to get us through the permits. Um, and then get us to the next phase where we're raising all the money to build the pilot plant. So I'm very excited right now about what's happening within the company. Dan, what keeps you up at night that we don't know about? <laughs> I think every CEO of any mining company out here, it is such a struggle nowadays to raise money. Um, and that is always the most difficult part. Um, I'm, I'm here in Canada to make sure we get this all done. Um, my game plan is to head back to Madagascar in about two or three weeks. Um, and hopefully I'm celebrating with all of our team in Madagascar that we, uh, have all the permits in place and everything is done. I think, I think that that's, uh, a good bet that that will be all done. Last question. What did I forget to ask? You know what, Maurice, we've been doing this, uh, working with you for the last couple of years. You've been to the property twice. Um, I can't wait to get you there uh, this summer, uh, showing you, you know, um, uh, you know, where we're, you know, the plant will be start to be building uh, and and operational here by uh, the fall. So, you know what? It's going to be so exciting to get you back over there and show you uh, uh, everything that we've done uh, and all the hard work from our team uh, to get it to there.
Okay, pause. Don't. Did you forget the question that you just asked me? Did you forget to ask anything? No, I think you've got pretty much everything summed up, uh, Maurice. Uh, it's always a pleasure working with you. Um, and again, I look forward to the future. Dan, if investors want to get more information about DNI Metals, please share the website address. Yes, it's uh, www.dnimetals.com. Uh, please email me. I'm traveling a lot between back and forth between Toronto and Madagascar. Uh, it's always best uh, to email me. Uh, it's danweir at dnimetals.com. That's danweir at dnimetals.com. DNI Medi Metals trades on the CSE symbol DNI and on the OTC symbol DMNKF. For our audience, DNI Metals is a sponsor and we are proud shareholders for the virtues conveyed in today's message. Last but not least, please visit provenandprobable.com for mining insights and bullion sales. You may reach us at contact at provenandprobable.com. Dan Weir of DNI Metals. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Maurice, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.